Welcome to the podcast of Shannon, the Intuitive Guide, where we're going to talk about all things intuitive. Hi, I am Shannon, the Intuitive Guide. I am a psychic medium who loves tarot cards. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all things astrology rather than all things intuitive, but I do believe that they very much melt together. And I have a very wonderful special guest on with me today, and I've been really looking forward to this chat that we're about to have. Um, Today, I have Avalon on the podcast with me. So welcome, Avalon, and thank you for coming along. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really um, honoured to be here and, yeah, just excited to talk about all things astrology, as you said. (laughs) So I was really lucky to meet you recently at a workshop that I was running and I met you there, but then it wasn't until the next shop we both attended that we got to actually really have a bit more of a discussion, a conversation, and some of the things we're talking about were just so intriguing, which is what made me want to get you on the podcast because I actually think the wider community really need to hear about it. So let's start a little bit about you and how you bring astrology into the world and how you your offerings, I guess, and then we can go into it a bit further in the podcast as well. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So I kind of grew up in a family, I guess, where I was always exposed to esoteric things like astrology, mysticism, all that kind of stuff. So from a pretty early age, I would say I kind of knew about astrology on a superficial level, like my sun sign and I knew my family signs and like a a few friends. And so I just kind of thought for one that was like normal to know about that stuff. And it was really interesting because from what I knew about myself and my own signs and then my family, I could really see the descriptions play out. And so I think having um, a natural like exposure from a really young age really helped me when I more professionally went into the field, which was only pretty recently, I'd say in the last like two years, I actually started studying astrology in the more professional sphere um, and really supplemented my knowledge with a lot of like books, courses, did my certification, everything like that, um, and still continue to study because astrology is just such a vast, multi-dimensional, multi-layered kind of um, knowledge system that's really complex. And I feel like even I didn't really understand going into it I think the depth of it and the vastness, and I think a lot of people don't because there's obviously most of us have an, um, I guess, been exposed to like pop astrology and we kind of know sun signs and things like that. And it can get a bit gimmicky sometimes I find. And a lot of people, yeah, don't really see it as the serious kind of practice that it is and how truly in depth that it is. So, um, yeah, it's only been in the last like two years that I've actually professionally started offering like natal chart readings and transit readings. And um, yeah, it's been amazing, like doing so many charts for people, seeing charts really like come alive and things that I've observed or learned um, resonate with people so strongly. And, you know, the majority of people I talk to, even they're amazed at how accurate astrology really is and how it can tell you so much about yourself. It's really, it's really amazing. Yeah, I in that second workshop that we were at together really started to learn about my own birth chart or natal chart or whatnot. And it's amazing how accurate it is, but it's, you have a lot of these aha moments. So this makes sense of why I'm like this, but I do remember 
you know, before that someone asked me, what are your three, you know, big signs or whatever it was? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just this one sign. Like, what do you mean I'm multiple signs? Yeah. And it started to really open up my eyes to there's so much more to this. And not that I'm going to start studying it or anything like that, because, but it was just, I'm so intrigued by it to understand more about myself. And like you said, it'd be awesome to, you know, it's almost like a prerequisite. If you want to be my friend, can, can I have your natal chart? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's seriously amazing what you can, um, the self-awareness that you can kind of gain from it. And like you said, like those aha moments, I feel like once you know your birth chart and your natal chart, it really is like the blueprint to your soul. So, so many things actually start to make sense and it can validate all these kind of deeper feelings or motivations or internal conflicts, or maybe even people that you've always felt like challenged by or whatever it is that you can't ever seem to put words to. And then when you go into your chart or have someone explain it to you, like, oh my gosh, it actually is so validating and affirming that I, I am this way kind of for a reason. And it gives a bit of like intentionality behind, and there's like a higher evolutionary purpose behind all these different aspects in your chart as well. So it's super useful knowledge for like just self-awareness and self-empowerment really. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, like I said, I had a lot of aha moments of wow. And it wasn't just, oh, this is why I am the way that I am. It was like, this is why I've been through what I've been through because it's literally written in the stars for me that my soul had to go through this. So as you break down, you know, from what I do from a psychic side of you and, and whatnot, it, to me, it really meets one another because I talk about life purpose and soul purpose and learning lessons and your astrology charts can really tell you and break that down even deeper again. So that's why I love the connection between the two of them is if you want to start to really understand that, if you do both, the messages and the understanding you have just are elevated so much more. Yeah. When we met in that workshop and I got to chat with you, we had a wonderful conversation about how astrology was used throughout history. And now this piqued my interest so much and it's you hear it and whatnot but the way you're explaining it to me just really hit home for me and I'm like wow I need to get you on the podcast so that you can share this with a wider community and pass that message on so can you tell us a little bit about how astrology has been used throughout history not just you know written in woman's weekly you know yeah. sort of thing how there's so much more to it than that yeah yeah for sure absolutely like as you were kind of saying, like the modern use of astrology or the populace of astrology, like natal astrology and profile analysis is actually a pretty new um, use of astrology throughout most of the millennia, especially in its origins. If you go back 4,000 years ago to like Mesopotamia, where the origins of like the Western astrology that we use nowadays actually originated from, they would use it for what they call like a natural type of astrology. So they actually used it as like a timekeeping system to understand, you know, agricultural cycles, when's the best time to plant things. They would want to kind of um, also predict natural disasters if there was famine coming, um, political affairs, geographical um, conditions, things like that. That was actually the main use of astrology throughout its history was more this kind of um, 
natural, I guess, style. It's called like mundane astrology. So just these collective kind of earthly events happening. So that would mean things that might happen to like nations. So kings, they would also, you know, become aware of like the eclipses. And so if there's eclipse, they would correlate that with possibly like like a king dying or something like that, or how this would affect um, larger kind of collective scale things like birth charts. They did start to do some like birth chart readings in, um, Egypt, like we actually still have some of the horoscopes of kings that were actually cast back then, which is pretty amazing, but it was still mostly used in that kind of context. Whereas nowadays, only really in the last century, it's been quite popularized. And I say this would be the main use, like everyone knows it as more of like a profile psychological kind of analysis. And that's really because Carl Jung kind of came in that amazing psychoanalyst and he was the one who really, and when psychology and things kind of like emerged through him and because he was a really avid astrologer, immersed in the astrology world, he kind of really, um, brought, I think, like that profile analysis element to it. And people kind of saw it in a different light where you could use it um, to actually describe a person's personality and yeah, life experiences and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, all throughout history, there's been so many different kind of uses of it as well. Like, um, as I said, you know, using it for like kings and things. We know in like the Roman era, like almost every military states person would have their horoscope cast and they all had professional astrologers. It was really popular, especially in the time of like Julius Caesar. Um, They would all have their horoscopes cast, especially of like their enemies. They would want to kind of know, um, you know, if if anything was going to happen with them or if they would be successful or what was kind of going to go on. And um, after like Caesar Augustus, he would have all the coins minted with his astrology sign, the Capricorn. So it all bore the goat symbol. So it was super pervasive. And like throughout history, astrologers would hold like the highest kind of status in these different societies and cultures. You know, they would be the priests, the kings would always consult astrologers. These would be like the highest kind of level people and these wisdom keepers really. So it's, um, yeah, amazing the kind of high status that astrologers have kind of always had. And it's only recent times where we've kind of gone away from that. And that's really interesting that they were held in such high esteem throughout all these really important parts of history and all these milestones that history has had. And nowadays it's almost to a degree looked down upon from some people of like, oh, you're just an astrologer. But it's like, wow, I could tell you so much about yourself on the level that a psychologist could tell you potentially even more. And so it's so interesting how it's slid down, you know, the scale, I guess, of status. To me, I think it's amazing and incredible. And the more you can learn about yourself, the better, because that can help you on your journey of growing. So I find that quite fascinating that it's like, you know, they used to be in the courts of kings and whatnot, considered almost like their right-hand man to Mm. help them make wonderful, big, scary decisions because it would be also too, you know, obviously they'd follow that and decide when to attack or when to do things or when to have special events based off that. So they actually almost made their whole lives revolve around it. And in essence, we still do, even if it's on an unconscious level, we do still allow our charts to um, have that impact on our lives. So I think that's incredible that it's like gone 
yeah. you know, from this high esteem to, oh, you know, you're, oh, my gosh, you're into that woo-woo stuff like, mm. oh, oh, you're yeah. one of those girls kind of, <laughs> you know, that's gone yeah, into I- it. I feel like there's, it's like there's definitely been fluctuations, I think, of like through the history of astrology. And it's obviously as cultures kind of differed and as paradigms kind of shift, they just valued, you know, different things. But I think when you look back and really reflect, people, I think, would have no idea how much astrology has influenced so many modern day things. The fact that we have astronomy is because of astrology. Like astronomy as a whole scientific discipline would not exist without astrology. You know, they were they were the same scientists astrologers and astronomers were the same thing um and that whole practice came about from that and there were so many exactly like states that were founded on specific dates through astrologers um even like King Alexander, like when he was born, there's a story that says about his mother, He had she had an astrologer by her bedside and he was saying, telling her to wait to give birth until all the omens and the stars were aligned um, correctly to be, you know, fortuitous. And then when it came time, he said, okay, queen, now you're going to give birth to like the, the king of the world, like the leader of the world. And obviously Alexander, everything that we did was just, yeah, incredible. So like, It just goes to show all these things have been filtered, like philosophy, um, science, like so many things have been impacted by astrology. But I think it was really at like the 18th century um, when it came into like the Enlightenment period. That's when astrology kind of got regulated to like scepticism and occult at that time. And it got seen a bit more as a divination practice because before it was more of like as I said, like a descriptive kind of science with mundane astrology describing things. And when there's these different kind of um, lineages, I guess, or practices of astrology, like what we'd call judicial astrology. So like things like um, there's astrology called horary astrology, which actually is a divination practice where you can, someone can ask you a question and someone will cast the chart and they're saying the answer to whatever question you ask in that moment, the answer will be linked into the chart that they cast. So when it started to turn into more divination practices, that's when they were kind of like, oh, this is, you know, this is just a cult. This isn't a real science. Um, you know, it doesn't really like make sense. It's a pseudoscience, everything like that. And obviously the rise of like the Roman kind of Catholic like church that as it become more of a divination, they were kind of like, oh, like what kind of is this, you know, going against the word of God, all that kind of stuff. So that's when I think it really kind of had a little bit of a massive fall in its popularity and things like that and kind of turned a bit more people thought as like a belief system rather than an actual science or an art. And it's only been, I guess, kind of recently in like the 21st like century with like the rise of, you know, new age spiritualism, we saw astrology kind of really get a resurgence with that. So that's what I think is kind of, there's still lingering elements of that as to why people I think think that way. Like it's either religious or they think it's not science. So it's funny that astrology kind of occupies like this middle ground where there's like scientists saying like, oh, this isn't real. And then there's also religious people that are kind of like, oh, um, also kind of being very critiquey about it. So it's funny how astrology kind of sits in the middle of like both these two camps. 
<laughs> which is funny because so much of what they do is actually being influenced by astrology. Yeah. So it's 100%. it's the irony of it all that makes it quite funny. It's like actually a lot of what you do in the ceremonies you have at certain time are due to astrological events. Yeah. Well, even like the birth of Jesus, you know, when you think about in the three like wise kings following the star and, you know, everything, like, like so many things like that. It's just, yeah, all these elements of astrology like interlaced into it. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of people just... I think like to forget that. <laughs> we always want to forget the stuff we don't like, right? So, yeah. and how it actually connects. And like you said, I believe it's a science. I also believe it's a wonderful skill people can can learn if they've got the interest in it. And, you know, you study it much like any other area of science. It's something you study and get better at and, and grow your own knowledge and whatnot in. So for me, I do believe it's science. I respect it massively because, like I said, it, for me, it told me so much about myself and I've just dipped my toes in the water. Like if I imagine if I dove all the way in, what I could discover. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's what I mean. Even at like a pretty surface level, you can still gain so much from it. That's why even like sun sign astrology, like even though I guess most people will be kind of, I guess, crap on it because it's like it's so limited in comparison to the whole thing, but it can still tell you really valuable stuff about you because the sun obviously is like the core essence of who you are and how you kind of express your sense of self. So, but then exactly like you said, if you go deeper and deeper and it, it kind of is almost endless in a way, like I still always go back to my chart and look at things that I just didn't understand, you know, a few months ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and it just adds another layer and another like um, deeper, finer kind of detail of my personality. And even I'm like amazed. So it's true, you know, like back in the past, like astrologers would have to study for many, many years to like attain this knowledge. It wasn't something um, like it was a very big study, like thing to be undertaken um, that would take decades to actually perfect because there is so much involved. And yeah, it's a science and it is art because you have to be able to like interpret the signs and understand this language because the fact that like no birth chart will be repeated for another 26,000 years. So you know, everyone's so unique and that means every chart like that we could possibly read nowadays would just be so different to each other. So you have to learn that language and um, constantly build on that skill. So it's it's really amazing, but it's so invaluable at the same time. Absolutely. So now that we're at this point in the conversation, how does it, what, what can a chart really tell you why would someone come and get their chart read, I guess? And what can they take away from that? Obviously, you and I know a little bit, you a lot more than I, but for those out there that are new to this or unsure, what basically what's in it for them? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's it's hard to answer because there's honestly so many things. Like it could answer really big life questions. Like it can honestly answer things like your direction in life. Like what is essentially your life purpose? I think that's probably the biggest and main thing that astrology can give you because it's saying like your life exactly like purpose has been imprinted in the moment that you were born, like that you chose to be born in a certain moment. You wanted to be incarnated at this specific time and have all these astrological placements. And so therefore that evidence is like encoded in that chart to give you, okay, this is what my soul actually wants. This is what's actually going to fulfill me on this deeper soul level. So I think just giving you that real life clarity 
And it can also tell you things, especially if you just, if you don't really know yourself or who you are or, or what you like in life, it can also give you things that you're probably very naturally good at or passionate at, or what would be your best kind of career path and what that would look like. And when there would be really good timings to actually go for potential jobs or things like this, or when your career might really um, spike or like really peak and stuff like that. I feel like there's, there's so many things that it can answer to these really large, like overarching life themes to the really tiny questions. Like, well, who am I compatible with in life? Like who, who do I relate really well with? Where are you going to have challenges or people that there might be a bit more of um, a propensity for like conflict, stuff like that. Like what are areas in your own life where you might have a bit of weakness or it might be really hard for you to kind of um, overcome certain aspects of life, whether that's finances, you know, whether it might be relationships, um, whatever it is, there's just so many little things, I guess, that it can tell you. I, I mean, it's more, it'd be easy to answer what can't it? it tell you like I think it'd be a smaller <laughs> list than what it can tell you like I feel like it's all in the birth chart which is pretty crazy and then so because everyone has heard well I'm assuming most of the people that listen to this podcast at least are very open to these sorts of modalities yeah. and we hear that astrologers and whatnot talk about the different houses and how this sign being in this house for you for the people out there who are new and novices to this, how do you explain that to them? Yeah, so I feel like houses are definitely a point where a lot of people will probably get a bit more confused about because it is, you know, getting into those deeper um, kind of more advanced like aspects of astrology. So everyone in a chart will have 12 houses though. So that is just you know, once you see like it looks like a pie chart, there will always be 12 sections and these are like fixed 30 degree divisions of the sky. So the house is actually determined by the location of your birth. Um, so where you were born, it's like where the axis of the earth kind of is and, and relationship to that. And then all the planets are kind of circling around the houses. So they're going to land in different ones. And the houses just represent like life areas or themes where a zodiac sign or where planet's energy is actually going to manifest. Um, so sometimes people will freak out because most people will have what we call like empty houses. So they won't have you know, planets in a house because you only have, you know, like 10 planets and we've got 12 houses, you're going to you're gonna have an empty house like somewhere. And so people are like, oh my God, what does that mean? Does it mean, you know, say you don't have any planets in like the house of like relationships or marriage and people are like, oh my God, I'm never going to get married or fall in love or something like that. <laughs> and all it just means is that there's not so much of an energetic life focus for you on these certain areas. But because the planets are constantly moving from the moment of your birth, you're going to, through a transit, experience particular planets going into that house at different times. So everyone will still experience these planets in their houses throughout their lifetime. So it's not something to um, worry about particularly. Like, for instance, I'm pretty sure that Britney Spears didn't have any planets in her seventh house, but when Jupiter actually transits her seventh house, that was the year she actually got married. And, and Jupiter is the planet of like blessings and abundance. So it kind of makes sense how that would um, line up like that. So that, that can be certain things where you can use astrology transits to actually understand, okay, when maybe will certain life events most likely happen or when's a fortuitous time to plan things depending on what planets are entering what houses. But um, yeah, does that kind of explain 
Yeah, I think so. Because people yeah. hear it and it's like, well, but what does that actually mean? And yeah. because even when, like I said at the beginning, when someone asked me what my top three are or, you know, however, you, whatever the terminology is, I'm probably saying it wrong, right? The big three. Most the big people. three. Yeah. It, let's talk about the big three because then I, that opened my eyes a little bit to, okay, because I'm a Leo son. So I'm like, okay, I'm a Leo. And in most, I'm probably 90% of a typical Leo. But then my other, t- when I found this out and discovered a little bit more, I was like, oh, that makes a little bit more sense why I'm not just 100% Leo traits. So mm. <laughs> what? how do the three, your three big ones impact you as a person? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's so important to realize that exactly you're not, you're not just one sign and you're not just one archetype. Like you're such a different, unique combination of all these different signs filtered through all these different planets, which is why, you know, most people just don't identify with one sign. So when they read their sun sign and if they think they're just one sign, they're like, oh, well, this doesn't really make sense because all these things kind of sound vague or I could be really different to that or whatever it is. So yeah, your big three, which is your ascendant, otherwise known as your rising sign. If you hear the term, they're interchangeable. They mean the same thing. So this sign was actually not a celestial body. It's not a planet. It's just referring to what zodiac sign was rising over the eastern horizon, eastern yeah horizon, the moment you were born. So this sign is very personable sign to you. It changes every two hours. So this is why astrologers really want you to know your birth time very specifically um, because, yeah, two hours seems like a bit of leeway, but say if you were in zero degrees, you know, of Gemini, that means just like two minutes before you would have been in like Taurus because that was the first degree that it entered. So it's so important to definitely know as much as you can the specific birth time. Um, and, yeah, this this rising sign for you, it kind of represents your the outward layer of your personality. So it's like that meeting point between the external world and between the internal world. So it's like how the world perceives you and how you perceive it. Um, so it can all, it can be a bit deeper than that. A lot of people like to call it the mask that you wear. For some reason, I don't particularly like that term because for me, it kind of has these connotations of like something maybe a little bit fake or like you can kind of really easily throw away and put on when you want. Um, and I feel like your rising sign is a lot more personable to you than that. Like, I mean, in Egyptian astrology, they thought the rising sign was more indicative of your personality than your sun sign. So I feel like it's, it's very strongly correlated to something deeper. Often I feel like it's actually what motivates you in life. That's why you want to present yourself that way to the world because you actually feel motivated to embody that. So say for me, for instance, I'm a Gemini rising and obviously Gemini is an air sign. It's related to the twins. Um, It's very communicative. So I feel very motivated to communicate and kind of disperse what I want to share in the world, especially what I want to learn. And and that's very true, I I think, for me. Um, And it hasn't always been the case. Sometimes your rising sign, you kind of have to grow into it a bit. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the skin that you're learning to put on and you've got to kind of grow into. Um, whereas your sun sign, that's that's like the core of who you are. So this is how you express your self-identity best. And so this sign can really give you a lot of clarity on also the direction you, you can be meant to take in this life. Um, and just like if you think about the physical sign in the universe, it's kind of like what everything else revolves around. And it's kind of very much the same with like your personality, like your your sun sign, all the other kind of psychological functions need to orient around your kind of self-expression. Um, and so it very much 
also like the sun, it's where you shine. So it's like where you naturally have gifts, where you have natural talents and inclinations and things like that. So it's a very kind of outward expression for you and being like a Leo, it was ruled by the sun. You probably very much, that's kind of strengthened in that. So it's like, you, you feel probably quite connected to Leo, even saying like you're 90%, it seems like that's a very, um, massive percentage, I would say, like of who you are. And like, it's, it's about, yeah, it's like shining, you know, your light. And that's, that's kind of where you thrive, being authentic and being your authentic self. Um, whereas like the moon is the very more kind of private side of like yourself. So sometimes this can be the part of you that not everyone knows, or maybe more, your more intimate kind of, um, friends or family, because this represents, also what what comforts you like what is at the heart of you what is your emotional needs or your emotional temperament in this world um it's a very feminine kind of energy so yeah it can also give things like on your instincts and your upbringing your subconscious because we know like you know a lot of your habits and behavior patterns were impressed on you from your childhood. So that's why we can actually tell sometimes a lot about someone's upbringing or childhood just from their moon sign, which is really, really amazing because it is also connected to past and lineage, um, which, yeah. So it's kind of like all these, all these different key layers to you with like the ascendant being on the outside. So this is the outermost layer, you know, your sun sign, when people get to know you a bit more, they're like, okay, I can see that sun sign really prominently. And then if you know someone really intimately, you're like, okay, I can, I can really feel that emotional kind of um, deeper side of this person come through. If that makes sense. That makes so much sense. The way you've explained that, because it was like, yeah, when someone said, what are your big three? I was like, like I said, what do you mean yeah. my big three? And then when I started to get explained, it was like, oh, that makes so much sense to me. It's like, like I said, I feel like I'm 90% Leo, but it's like that in, that's my core. So that makes sense why I feel so strongly against like in line with that one. And then it was like, yeah, then my moon sign and my rising sign, I was like, oh, this all is starting to make sense to me. But then obviously you look at the full chart and that makes so much more sense again and it talks about um like it tells you a lot about like you said all the different aspects of who you are and why you've gone through things and I remember when we were talking about this um there's a particular age that you hit where there's a lot going on and, and a very pivotal time and what was it was from like age 27 to, to 32 or 33 for most people oh yeah your Saturn return so That's right. yes thank you yeah and how I think especially for a lot of the people who listen to my podcast are probably either within that space in their life right now or did have some major things that went that happened to them during that time. I think that's important that we chat about that mm. too so people can understand because when I heard I was like, oh, so that's why my life did this woo, flip-flops all over the place and then after that really settled back down again. Yeah, yeah. Saturn returns um really, really powerful, almost like initiation point. Um, a lot of astrologers, I guess, kind of like sometimes they determine it differently. Essentially, like the the real pinpoint of when your Saturn return is, is like they say 20, 29 and a half years. For some people say it begins at um, 27 to 30, because I, I do like to count personally, as soon as Saturn goes into the sign 
of wherever your Saturn sign is. I like to say you begin your Saturn return because I feel like that energy really starts to percolate and begins. So it might not be the exact degree yet, whereas some people say if you were um, 17 degrees Pisces, you had your Saturn. So I would say as soon as Saturn goes into Pisces, which did happen this year, you begun your Saturn return, which would usually be around like 27, because I feel like there's definitely an ebb and flow of this energy, um, you know, and I feel like it's a lot more than just the peak point. And for so many people that I've talked to, yeah, around like 27, they go through these really major life events or they can feel it starting to happen. Something's changing. So because Saturn is the planet that represents, it represents karma, responsibility. Sometimes it can represent things like boundaries, restriction, um, discipline, responsibility, all these kind of big maturation points. There's a real maturing, like initiatory rite of passage stage of your life. So a lot of people kind of get, I guess, a, a bit worried about Saturn returns. I don't think it's anything negative at all. What a Saturn return is all about is just Saturn is just wanting to put you in the right direction. And if yeah, it is. It's definitely restructuring because it's about structure. And so it's just Saturn is also a giver. I don't think we see it as that side, but it just gives you the consequences of your actions. So that could be positive consequences or negative. So it's like it wants to come around and test how firm you've laid the foundation for that area of your life. So it's going to be filtered through whatever Saturn sign your Saturn is in, and it's going to happen in whatever house it's in. So that will be the life area that will really be um, examined and like under the microscope of Saturn, you would say. So it's like if you say if you've got Saturn in like your career house, like the 10th house. And so it's like if you've set up your career, you know, you know, amazing, you've put in the hard work and and you haven't um, shied away from taking responsibility. That's the thing that Saturn really wants to kind of come and show you that you need to take responsibility and, and kind of discipline yourself um, to really set those solid foundations. Otherwise, everything else that you build on top of it is just going to be built on like sinking sand. It's all going to collapse. So that's why sometimes people at around this age, they could go through really major life events. Sometimes people can lose a job or something massive will happen, but usually it's always happening in, in the best, the best for you. You know what I mean? Like they look back and they're like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I lost that job because I, I, I wasn't meant to be there. And only in retrospect, they can see that it actually was a pivot point that realigned them to what they were actually meant to do deep down. But sometimes, yeah, we, we don't kind of um, listen to what we really should be doing. And that's where Saturn's kind of like can sometimes be that strict disciplinary. It's like a strict father that's kind of wants the best for you, but it realizes, Hey, like you, you also got to do the work um, to set that, that groundwork to have those good things. So yeah, people really major life events usually happen at this time. Like, so sometimes people become a mother, you know, that's a huge initiation um, stage of people's life that can, can really change so many things. Like I said, people could, you could move, um, anything could happen. You could change careers, um, sometimes it doesn't I had always a marriage end. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, stuff like that. Like anything, yeah. Divorces, getting married, getting engaged, having a kid. Um, so many different things. It doesn't always have to be that, that dramatic. So I think a lot of people expect something really big or like a massive upheaval is going to happen. Like I said, if you, you know, set the groundwork really well, really positive things can just happen as well. It's, it's really dependent on that awareness and knowing if you're just taking responsibility for that area of your life where Saturn is, because that's what Saturn wants you to do. And that's what a Saturn return is really going to emphasize for you. Yeah. It's like lessons learned. What have you learned yeah. so far? What lessons are you taking? Have you taken on board? Have you actually put the things in place in your life 
from those lessons that you've learned? Because if you haven't, guess what? It's We're going to make it happen now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's definitely all about lessons. As you said, it's, it's like, what, what have you learned? What have you implemented, especially in whatever house it's in and whatever sign, that's the way it's kind of going to express itself. And yeah, if you haven't, that's when Saturn's, Saturn is going to throw you, you know, some curveballs or other things to be like, hey, you can't avoid this. Um, you need to kind of buckle down sometimes in life and um, realize because it's, it's always trying to get you on, on the right path. At the end of the day, it's just trying, all the planets are, are doing that. They're trying to um, get you in alignment with the highest version of yourself and, and what your soul wants, you know, and sometimes the ego, the ego and the soul are wanting different things. So that's where there's a bit of like tension and the ego is trying to cling to like that job or that relationship or whatever. It's like, no, this is, this is what I want. I know this is for me and the soul has a deeper purpose and that's what astrology and the planets are actually activating in you. And I think too, because life isn't all rainbows and lollipops and we're not all good at everything. And I think what your chart can show you too is the areas in your life where you are challenged, like you said, and it can bring that up in the sense that you might always be challenged in that. And that's okay because that's what makes you you. So I know funnily enough, um, up until that point in my life where Saturn return hit for me, communication was a really big challenge for me. But then when I went through that, it's changed. I found my voice, I found my place and all like, you know, I had the comp, I found my confidence to then use my voice. And even though I was quite the extrovert being the Leo that I was, when it come down to the realistic stuff and the, the times I needed to use my voice, I wasn't. Mm. So for me, it was that. So it showed that, am I still great at it? Probably not. Probably still need some work in the, you know, and I luckily have a partner who drags that out in me, but that's where capacity, sorry, compatibility, where um, a lot better suited because he brings out the best in me rather than the mm. worst in me. Yeah. But it, I love the idea too that this shows us all these things. You go through these, um, you sat and returning and it's, it can be big or it can be a little bit, could it be too, like I said, that you get to that point in your life and it sort of shows you something, well, this has been quite a challenge for me, but I'm actually can get a little bit better at it due to these lessons that I'm learning. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's so important as well, like when approaching astrology and looking at your chart, that they're not just looked at as like these concrete fixed things like you definitely evolve in this relationship to them like I kind of am more of the line of like evolutionary astrology where your signs and your planets are you know showing you evolutionary goals or, or pathways to take they're not like fixed conditions of your personality so for instance for me yeah I've got my Saturn's in Aries which is um, a detriment placement so essentially it's one of the it's in a sign where it struggles the most like they kind of really just struggle to find like common ground and stuff you know I could look at that and be like oh my gosh like I'm, I'm screwed for the rest of my life or like it's <laughs> a really negative thing but like it's it's definitely not at all but I do I am aware yeah I am challenged on on certain aspects on that and like you said that's that's part of our personality and part of our lives like most of us are pretty aware if something's really always been a struggle for us or something just doesn't come easy and for most of us not everything is going to come easy, you know, but when, when you put in that hard work and that tenacity, the character that you build out of that. And I think that's what Saturn relates to as well. Like that hard work, like putting in that hard work, it actually shapes this deeper person of, of who you are and who you become and you learn and you're actually more grateful for the things that you have on such a deeper level because you did struggle with them. They weren't just given to you on a silver platter, which would be more like Jupiter, which is, you know, benefic kind of planet that, that just gives 
gives you blessing and stuff. And that's amazing. It has a role as well. But I think Saturn, you, you really have to kind of earn it. But the rewards are like so sweet because there's this deep satisfaction that really lasts when you overcome challenges. So yeah, sometimes it can be at points where, yeah, Saturn return, you just realize, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I really struggle with this area of my life or it's hard, but it can be a real turning point, like you said, for you, you know, um, being able to find your voice then and coming out the other side of it with this confidence. That's usually what happens in Saturn Returns. Once you come out the other side of it, there's such this renewed, deeper sense of self and, and you're not the same person that you were going into it, you know, um, which I think is like so special. And it is amazing that the chart can show you things that, yeah, you might need to put a little bit more conscious effort or, or, or work on, but then you get to become this really well-rounded, you know, holistic person that can acknowledge um, your strengths and your weaknesses equally because we all have them. And this too is what, what in common language for everyone out there, this is putting boundaries in life. This is putting time in and growth and development in yourself. These are things that people even corporate people in corporate jobs do, but your birth chart can help you understand it more. So I think if more people embrace that and actually took their birth chart and went, wow, okay, these are the parts of my life where I am a bit challenged. I need to put some focus on that. It's no different than setting a goal, knowing your limitations in something, I'm going to get better at it. So as much as people might think this is woo-woo stuff, I think it's actually much bigger than that. I think it is about like anybody in any role can really make this work for them. And we sometimes ask too, why do bad things happen to people? Mm. What's probably in your chart, this is a challenge you have to go through, you know, like, like I said, rainbow, life isn't all rainbows and lollipops. So there are challenges that are put in your life for you to learn and go through. And I think that's where people just think, but it's all meant to be positive and wonderful messages. And it's not always meant to be that way. We are meant to ebb and flow throughout our life and learn those lessons and take them forward. Mm, Absolutely. So so for those who are listening and are now totally intrigued and (laughs) want to get their birth chart read again, you know, and learn more about themselves, you can help them with that. How do you do that? How can they contact you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the best way to contact me is probably through my Instagram. So I am Alightman on Instagram. That's my handle. So I do offer, yes, birth chart reading. So I, we go in depth about all these, like the aspects that we talked about here. Um, we look at everything. I usually, for all my readings, I do like PDF write-ups. So you can also take that away and have that because sometimes there is so much knowledge that's actually involved. I think people are like, well, I, I didn't realize how much it is. And it's funny because I'm like, this is still just like scratching the surface. Like I said, you could just kind of endlessly um, look at your astrology and glean so much information from it. It's honestly amazing. But just to start, I think it is so I think it is so important to have someone walk you through it because I know you, you can also, you know, like go online and plug in your details, like onto some, there's so many free like chart generators and they will do it all up for you and kind of um, send it out. But sometimes it can be even more confusing getting all this information. It can be very overwhelming, not knowing how it all interlinks because there probably will most likely be parts of your charts where personalities are going to conflict, you know, your Mars or yeah, your sun and your moon are very, say, different signs, different elements. And you're like, well, how do these integrate into my personality or what's the relationship between them? Or this doesn't really make sense. I feel like it can be sometimes more confusing, just getting all that information and not really having someone 
guide you through it step by step and break it down because it, it is pretty intense. So yeah, I offer um, birth charts. I do offer transit readings as well. So kind of like what, like what we were talking about, things that means things that are going on now. So transit look at where the planets are currently in relationship to your birth chart because obviously your birth chart is like a fixed chart which is like the freeze frame moment of when you came into the world so that doesn't change but the planets are constantly moving and shifting all around your chart so they're going to activate different things at different times going to go into different houses so that's really good for if, if you're going through something particularly in your life you're like oh this is really confusing like what's happening or you're maybe planning something and you want to know when's a really good time that's what's called electional astrology so usually election you can use electional astrology to actually plan things like your wedding or if you want to write a book or launch a business or stuff like that when would be the most auspicious planetary times to kind of do that so that's a really helpful one um yeah, those, those are the main ones. If you just go to my Instagram, I've got everything linked in my bio and you can um, click there and read a bit more about it. Otherwise, I'm, I'm always open to chat to anyone just through DMs about um, astrology. I love answering anyone's questions. Um, yeah, yeah. And you share some wonderful information on your Instagram and you keep people up with what's going on. Like obviously today as we're recording it, Mercury has just come out of retrograde, which most people would hear of but probably not fully understand how that impacts on their life. So today if you guys are feeling much better, this would be an indication of, of why you're starting mm -hmm. to feel better and a bit more lighthearted and whatnot, because I know I certainly am. Um, that Mercury in retrograde really kicked my butts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a tough one, this one, because it was in, Mercury was in its strongest sign. So in Virgo, that's what we call, it's like exaltation. So that means that planet finds its strongest expression. So the themes are really amplified. So a Mercury retrograde would feel, this one felt very different to other ones um, because it was so strong. And I don't think most people realise that Mercury goes into retrograde on and off throughout the whole entire yeah, year. like three to four times a year. So it's, it's quite common. It's, it's the fastest moving um, planet. So, yes, it does go, it goes back and forth a lot. So that's why, I mean, you kind of feel like, oh, it's always going into retrograde or it's always doing that, especially compared to other planets. Um, but, yeah, this one particularly would have been felt a lot more stronger because it was in its strongest sign out of all the 12 signs. So it probably would have been intense for everyone. Plus we still have another five planets retrograde. So it's, um, yeah. It's a wild time. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and hopefully I'll try and get this out pretty quickly so that we can be across that too. Yeah. So, Matt, when I send this to you, please edit it really quickly for us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I love it. So, But you offer so much more than that. I'm going to tell everyone tonight I'm actually coming to your new moon circle um, because you're based on the Central Coast and you do a lot of work up there and you work with a lot of local businesses and whatnot up there as well, which I absolutely love that about you, that you're supporting obviously you are a small business and, and whatnot and you're supporting a lot of other local businesses and bringing a lot of um, women and then just people together and doing that so I will see you in a couple of hours and I cannot wait yes, I'm so <laughs> record. Yeah. but I will pop all your details into the show notes for everybody um, so that they can see that I'll obviously tag you in Instagram as well so everyone can find you so guys listening if you're interested and would love a reading, please go and find Avalon on Instagram. Look at the show notes. Look on my Instagram. It will be on there as well, and I can link you through there. But I hope you have enjoyed our chat today because I know I certainly have and learnt a lot more. As I said, I learn more and more every time we talk about it, and I just love it. So thank you so much for coming on. 
That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. No, it was um, beautiful being able to talk about everything. I loved it. For a psychic reading or tarot card reading, head to my website, shannontheintuitiveguide.com.au.